Thank you for joining us. It's our mission to restore hope and make a positive difference in your life today. Remember to hit subscribe so you can be the first to know when we release new content. Let's go now to today's message. Turn to the book of John. We're going to read a couple verses and then we're going to break this down. I don't know how, I don't know if it's going to be real preachy. I don't know if I'm going to scream. I don't know if I'm going to sweat. I don't know. We're, we're going to see what the Lord's going to do. Is everybody in for the ride? John 6 and 26 and verse 27. You can read aloud with me if you would like. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the joy and the hope and the peace of this season, even in the midst of chaos, God. Lord, we are putting eternal value upon what matters most. God, Lord, we as a body of believers want to be a part of the everlasting hope and the everlasting life. So I pray that those who would have an ear to hear what the Spirit would say, would begin to tune their ears to the voice and the mouthpiece of this hour. And God, Lord, I can't help those who won't hear what you are speaking in this moment, but God, Lord, show them your love and your mercy and your kindness that is from everlasting to everlasting. Now we give this service to you. I give you my mouth. I give you my eyes. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I give you my lungs. I give you my mind. Father God, use me in this hour, however you would see fit, and let it go forth to whomever will partake of it with me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Zachary. Don't go too far. We'll holler at you in just a bit. Aren't you thankful for the band? I love the willingness of the Lord. So here we uh, see that Jesus is having a conversation, uh, eternal things. Say, I, I want to be a part and partake in things that matter. Eternal things that go from everlasting to everlasting. He's saying, do not work and labor for things that are going to soon be gone. And oftentimes, we particularly in this season, toil and spend our thought process, put our hands to things, drive our cars to places that eternally have no value. So as I stand before you today in a season that 
God has taken and robbed so much from our homes, our daily lives, our churches. Some of you have empty chairs at tables this season because of what life has brought to this nation and around the world. So I feel like that on this day in December of 2020, we have a little different perspective of what matters. Could you say amen with me today? Of what matters most. He says, you are not seeking me because of the signs that you saw. I feel like we live in a generation that is just going to see something. They don't want to be partakers of it. You hear me? I just want to see it. I want to witness it. And because I saw it, all will be well. If I see it, I'll believe it. And when Jesus was talking at another point that a perverse generation seeks a sign I feel like we've been there because nobody wants to put the work in being a sign <laughs> we want to see it I don't want to be it so he's saying, you are not following me today because of what you saw. And in context, what he is speaking about is the day before. How many would have loved to have been there yesterday? As he stood on the side and he's, he's ready to feed uh, thousands of people as they don't want to leave because they are so intrigued with the word that is being brought forth to them. What if on Sunday when 12 o'clock rolls around we push our flesh aside because we are partaking of something that is far greater than our lips can intake he said you saw something yes but you took something in and that's why you're following me all this way they sat and fed over 5,000 then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seen a great multitude in verse 5 and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that they may eat? He's like, Jesus, we ain't got that much money. Holla. We broke. We hanging with you. We broke. Where can we buy food and some bread for them to eat? And they said, Jesus, we ain't got that much money to feed all of them. And Jesus wasn't ignorant. You know what I'm saying? Like he already knew the plans that he had. He just wanted the response from those that had been closest to him. When Jesus asks you something that seems far greater than you, what is your response? <laughs> Well, we ain't got that much money. But this he said to test them. Have you ever thought that this might be the test? He's asking you a specific question to test your answer. Your response to the ridiculous thing that's been asked. He did this to test for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That's all we got. We empty in our pockets that every one of them may have a little. But one of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here <laughs> who has five barley loaves and two small fish. 
You want it? You see, I'm telling you, Jesus invited a people to walk with him, to keep their eyes on him, that when something crazy is, is stirring in the atmosphere, that at least one of you go, hey, there's a little sack lunch over there. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And we know the miracle that took place. Jesus said, bring them to me. And he turned it in to feed 5,000 with baskets left over, fragmentary baskets. I mean, those people had a feast. And so it wasn't what they saw. It was that probably for the first time in their life, they ate and was satisfied. I will go to great lengths to cling to what is satisfying. Do you know the word of God tells us that sin is pleasurable for a moment. That's why the enemy can trip you up so infectedly, truly, because it satisfies for a moment. And we gravitate to that momentary fix, that momentary high. We gravitate to that thing that makes me feel good, that makes me rest my mind. I take the pill because it puts me out of my pain and my misery. But Jesus is saying, is there a people who will follow me not because of what I show you, but what I can fill you with in an hour where there's emptiness in an hour where the world is tugging at you to find something of fulfillment? Can you follow me? Even to great lengths. They went across the place. So he's having this conversation and he said, do not labor for what is empty. Church, do not labor in this season for what will be gone tomorrow. Do not put value on the empty things that this world has to offer. But he's saying, can you grab a tape towards me eternally and not just what I can give you outwardly? If you had to answer the question, what are you doing with your daily life that brings eternal value? How could you answer that? What am I doing to bring eternal value every day of my life? Am I eating of the bread of idleness? Am I allowing time to tick by and waiting on the boat to come by and pick me up and carry me to my promise? Or am I getting up every day saying, this might be the fulfillment of time that I was created for. I will do everything that carries eternal weight in this day. The Lord is looking for the whosoever who are so satisfied in him that you can't help but tell others. What are we doing with our everyday life that brings eternal value? So in this conversation, we see that Jesus then got away. And it's interesting because he says where they're getting ready to take him by force and make him king. Let me tell you, we want to put people in a position maybe before his time. He wasn't ready to be their king yet. He just wanted them to be 
his disciples. He's saying, can you follow me because I'm all you need? Or do you follow me because you, you ate and now you empty and you just want another fix from me? That's what he's saying to him. Why are you here? Why are you here? Are you here to get your weekly fix and leave here and tomorrow it's empty and you don't know how to get it? You ain't got nothing to give to anybody else. I know we're in the season of gift giving and buying. I know this makes everybody real uncomfortable, but we're going somewhere. We're going to move from this. We're in the season of wasting away our bank accounts wasting away trying to find the perfect gift you having your kids write out your list to santa and yet you won't teach them how to write their petitions to god do you hear me you're giving them everything their hearts desire but you refuse to give them what their spirit needs when is the last time you told your child no you're not going to turn that on tonight we're going to sit and commune with the Lord. Do you know how to write petitions to God and Him answer them? Or are we just writing an empty wish list that by next month that gift will be done and over with and we've, we've just passed it on or we've thrown it away because it breaks, right? It perishes. It has no eternal weight to it. Now, I'm going to buy my kids gifts. Don't get me twisted. But I want to encourage a people today because there's, this world is passing. It is passing away. And only the things of eternal value will remain. Only the things you can have the nicest of the nice. But let me tell you, have you ever given a gift and expected an, uh, just an amazing response, but you got none? I thought this is everything you wanted. Sometimes I feel like Jesus does that to us. Wait a minute. This is what you've asked me for for six months. And now you complaining to me because you got it. Oh, you want me to fix what you broke? You got mad and threw it up against the wall. Now it lays in shambles. You coming to me. I paid my hard-earned money to buy that because you wouldn't be quiet about it. And now it's broken and you want me to fix it because you did that. Can we put things in perspective in a season that is screaming for us to focus? Screaming for us to come into alignment with the kingdom of God. This season, I don't know if there's worse to come. I, I fear that if the church does not awaken out of her slumber and get out of our selfish agendas, that tomorrow could be worse than today. The kingdom is screaming for a divine alignment. Let me tell you what the enemy in this world, he is the prince of this world. He owns this world. He only longs for you to put your focus on empty things. The shiniest of shine, 
the brightest to bright. He comes as an angel of light. He told Jesus, you're hungry. I see you're hungry. Let me just tell you what you can do. Go ahead and tell those stones to turn to bread and they have to obey you. Yep. The only thing he attempts to do is to get you to come into alignment with what is empty and eventually will bring death. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but in its end is what? Death. In its end is death. You see, kids, when your parents try to talk to you about the things of the kingdom, it's not because this is boring and this doesn't have a place, but someday you will have to make your own decisions for your own house. And I fear that we have allowed generation after generation to pass with not driving a sword in the ground of what matters most. We have put our eyes on the things of this world when Jesus is saying, do not put uh, what is empty. Do not put your value upon what you're going to waste away. This will perish and this will pass. But can you follow me? Well, what should we do that we may work the works of God? And he answered to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore, they said to him, well, what sign will you perform? That then we may believe. For our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As if feeding 5,000 isn't enough. Well we thought this was the manna from heaven. And we thought it was going to be here today too. And a few chapters down. Jesus looks at him and he says. I am the bread of life. I am he whom the father sent down before you. If you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will have this eternal life. You will never thirst again. You will never hunger again. But if you eat of the other flesh and if you eat of the other blood, you have no life in you. If you don't partake of this, there is nothing for you to really have an eternal value. What are we doing today that carries eternal weight? He said in 35, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. 41, I am the bread that came down from heaven. 48, I am the bread. You think he was trying to get the point across? 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of me, partakes with me, eats of me, he will live forever. Listen, 55, my flesh is the true food. What is the enemy always trying to get you to feed on flesh? I can tell what you've been eating on within about a matter of moments in a service. Now, Jesus has said, now, how much is it going to take to buy all of them food? And then here he is telling them the next day, I am the bread. I am. I am. I am. I am. And I can tell you, my husband loves to go to certain restaurants, not because the meal is wonderful. It's okay. But it's because the bread is free. And I can assure you, we have about five baskets of bread before the meal ever gets there. 
And you don't have to order as much when you fill up on bread. You see what I'm saying? You don't mind waiting for the main course. You don't mind waiting when you partake of the bread. Just bring me some more bread. And in our culture, and I got the blood work to prove it, they try everything in their power to take the bread out of the diet. You got, you got an allergy. The devil is, of course he don't want me to eat the bread. You want to know why bread sticks to you? I can point to every place of every morsel of bread I've ate. But the things of the spirit reflect the natural. I want you to hear me. Ooh. As this world is saying, take the bread out of the diet. The enemy is standing and he's chanting, take the bread out of what you eat. And Jesus just told him, unless you eat of this bread, you have no life in you. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have a life. Of course he don't want you to eat the bread. He said, take it out. Get it away. What sign shall we see? Then we will believe. We can flip over to Luke in two. And if my help will begin to move, that would be wonderful. And as an angel appeared to shepherds in the field... And they say, no, don't be afraid. <laughs> we have glad tidings of great joy. I mean, wouldn't you love to hear some good news today? Ooh. Wouldn't you love to have a glad tiding of great joy that's established here and now? They said, this will be a sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. You know, years ago, probably 2009, Aaron and I traveled and we sang and we ministered. I told Pastor this was probably going to be a teaching today. Is everybody with me? We were traveling and we had gone to do a Christmas concert. And all of a sudden, Elijah was probably, I'm really sad he's not in here today. You know I love embarrassing him. He's working next door. <laughs> he was probably five years old, maybe about at his age now. And all of a sudden, a lady dressed in full biblical clothes came busting through the back door. It was quiet. The lights were out because a storm was brewing and it took the power out. So you can just paint. Let me paint the whole picture. There was tornado sirens going off. Anybody feel like, ooh, the sirens are moving and the wind was rustling and blowing. We had to do our last uh, set of acapella. That was fun. Mary, did you know acapella? Probably quite tragic. She busts open the back door. She's got something cradled in her arms. And she says, who wants to see my baby? Oh, look at him. Isn't he 
beautiful. Look at my baby. Look at my baby. Well, Elijah, I mean, is sitting in the center of the, the sanctuary. He comes busting through the aisle. I want to see the baby. I want to see the baby. Everybody's silent because it's dark. Only the emergency lights are on in the room. And this crazy lady has busted through the place screaming. There were literally only about three people that knew this was happening. So everybody's startled in shock. And Elijah comes busting through, steps on all of our feet. I want to see this woman's baby. Well, she gets to his aisle. And she reaches down and pulls it back. The place is silent. He says, that ain't no baby. That's a loaf of bread. <laughs> it happened. That ain't no baby. That's a loaf of bread. But come go with me on a journey. You see, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, we knew that the fulfillment of time was coming. Mary riding on a donkey on a long journey and the government issuing a census. Real inconvenient time, you know what I mean? And so they go and there's no room in the inn. We picture it. We see the pictures. But I got to tell you, until you've been to Israel and you've been down in one of those grottos, you don't get the full picture. It actually was not just a barn. It literally was a, a, a space, a cave hewn out of a rock. I need you to hear it. There's a lot of rock in Israel. And this was one that was hewn perfectly perfectly to birth a king in oh the savior of the world hewn out of a rock and they would walk in and go to the back and if there was not room in the inn for travelers it was not unlikely for them to just sleep among their their sheep or their oxen or their donkeys it wasn't it wasn't necessarily peculiar but what happened on this holy night <sighs> was peculiar. So here the fulfillment of time. No midwife. No nurse. No perfect birthing plan. <laughs> I never took those courses. It probably would have done Pastor Aaron some good had I done that. I'm just more of a let's, let's just go. Let's just see what happens. It's kind of how I preach a sermon. Birth babies the same way. <laughs> so here, Mary and Joseph, and we know that the story in Matthew portrays a picture that Mary is betrothed. She's engaged. And I, I want you to just understand. I, I just want to teach you a thing or two here, if I might. You see, in Galilean culture, the betrothal is a long period of time. And, and you know, oh, wow, you're pregnant was not necessarily like there was some time in between. They didn't talk every day. They didn't get to know each other on the telephone when they got engaged. He offers her his bride to be. He says to her, will you take this cup? Hear me. When he goes to propose to a bride, 
he offers her a cup of covenant. And he says, will you drink of this cup? And if she takes the cup from him and she drinks of it, that is her yes. You see, not everything's a photo op. Some things are just simplistic. Yes, some of you have said yes to things because the photo op was nice. You don't count the cost of what it means to be committed. So here Mary betrothed to Joseph, but here's what happens. He doesn't just say, okay, now let's date and get to know each other. He says this word to her. I'll come get you when you least expect it. So you got to be prepared. (laughs) He says, I'm going back to my father's house to build us a space true does this sound familiar I'm going away to prepare a place for you in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you why because when you become betrothed there is a full covenant that comes along with it and so this Galilean male goes back to his father's house and he begins Building a place for his bride. The bride and her wedding party go and collect garments and they collect materials and they prepare and adorn themselves so that when even at the midnight hour their their bridegroom shows up, they're ready. Listen, they would sleep in their garment because they did not know the day or the hour. You know who knew it? Only the father. Read it, read it. This ain't, listen, I'm telling you in history, Jewish history, this is facts out of, the, out of the city of Galilee where Jesus was from. So when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he was painting a picture that they could comprehend and they could understand. So as the son goes to his father's house and the father watches him diligently working on the space for his bride, when it is done, he goes, Father, it's ready. And the father says, not yet, not yet, not just yet, not just yet. And then it might be midnight when the father says, go get your bride. (laughs) They come through the streets with a trumpet sound. (laughs) The sound of a shofar awakens a sleepy bride but she's already dressed and ready she wasn't caught off guard she was prepared to go out and meet him only the father knows the time how do you know this pastor go watch before the wrath go watch it it will do you some good it'll it'll do you some good to get you out of the filth on netflix go watch something that carries eternal value and those jewish philosophers breaking down really what jesus was saying when he said i I'm going to prepare a place, but I'll be back. Don't you be caught off guard. Don't you be caught covered in spots and wrinkles. I know you got to sleep in this thing. You got to rest in it, but you stay dressed, baby, because I'm coming. So Mary is betrothed to Joseph. She hadn't seen him. It might have been six months. It might have been a year from the moment of her accepting the cup. 
Joseph probably was preparing a place for Mary and then all of a sudden she's with child. But Joseph was a decent man and the Lord knew that. He knew that he could get to the heart of Joseph. He might have to do it in his sleep. Somebody just needs to lift up your hands and say, I'm hard-headed in the day. But if you got to get to me in my sleep, Jesus, speak to me. I, I, know I, I know I turned my ear off and I'm hearing everything else, but open my hearing in the night season so that I will not make the wrong choice and the wrong decisions. And the Lord told Joseph, go to Mary, marry her. This son is mine. Whew. I wonder what their thoughts were as they sat in that stable. Both made a covenant to honor, to protect. You see, love covers a multitude. Whew. Joseph didn't go complain about it. He didn't go run in the ground and say, well, Mary's knocked up. You know, she says it's the Lord's baby, but I don't know. He was a decent man who honored his offering of that cup and that commitment. Hmm. Sitting in the stable and a baby born, and I want to tell you, the culture of a Hebrew, so you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And I may need a mama who knows how to swaddle a baby to come help me. Somebody who knows how to swaddle this baby. Oh, yeah, I figured. Come on. So come here and just be my Mary. They first had to find some water and wash this baby. Wash it with water. You see, in Hebrew custom, this is what they would do after a baby was born. If you've ever given birth to a baby, they wipe that baby down and get off all the excess blood and all of the birthing placenta, all the gooey, nasty stuff that the baby cooks in. And they wash that baby down and they dry that, pat it dry. <laughs> Here comes an interesting part that I did not know. They would then take some salt <laughs> and they would begin to put it over that baby. <laughs> and then they would add the oil. Rub that baby down. I want you to hear me. Oh. Now, when you go to a place to eat, what do you love on some bread? Oil and salt. But then they swaddled this baby. And during the time of a Jewish woman's betrothal, often she would... 
make and maybe even embroider from which tribe this baby would come from. It might have a lion of the tribe of Judah on it. It might have something of significance. But they swaddled this baby for purpose. And often we just think it's cute and we wrap up a baby and it's so sweet and snuggly and we get to cuddle it, right? The purpose of swaddling. So this salt was a significant thing because in the line of Moses, it was it was commanded that when an offering was made to the Lord, it was not made without salt. It had oil attached to it. And this swaddling purpose, when you swaddle a newborn, a lot of times the reason that we mamas got to tug them arms in there is because if we don't, they're going to claw their own eyes out. They're going to take chunks out of their own flesh and maybe yours along with it. But for this purpose, also swaddling is to, they've been in a fetal position, but to get that baby lined out so they don't walk crooked. He said, let me swaddle this baby to straighten its arms out, to begin to straighten its legs out so that it doesn't walk crooked, so it don't put its hands in crooked things. God said, I'm swaddling my baby up and I'm making an altar and a sacrifice, a manger. Only God could put a baby in a feeding trough. Do you hear me? The bread of life. He said, Come, all you who are thirsty, and drink. Come, all you who are hungry, and eat. And you can do it without cost. Only God Almighty would choose a feeding trough for the Savior. That the oxen and the donkeys and the cattle, they come and they... Feast out of this trough. Ooh. Isaiah 1 and I believe 6 says, you know, even the oxen recognized. <laughs> and the donkey knows its master's manger. Ooh. You see, I, I, what's amazing, the, the prodigal son came to himself out of a pig's feeding trough. And God's saying, Ooh, I just want you to come to yourself. Coming to the altar is far more than just coming and having an experience that's empty tomorrow. But he's saying, I am the bread of life. If you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will have life. Swaddled up. So it's interesting in John, I believe, 3, 3, when he says, in order to see, say, I want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Now, what do we as Christians do when we're born again? We get washed in the water. And because we partake and eat of the right things, I believe heaven begins to pat us down with the salt of heaven. And he calls you the salt of the earth. And a city set on a hill will not be hidden. Job says, who can eat food without salt? And I feel like that, that Christianity, we've created such a tasteless gospel. When he said, I'm full of flavors, I'm full of goodness. 
says, if you will just taste of me, who I am in the fullness of what I do, you will open your eyes and you will see. Taste me and see that I am good. Don't taste your neighbor. Don't taste the, the bitter root. Don't remain in the idle places of the bread. But come to me. Shh. Come to me. The bread of when he sat with his disciples and he broke the bread. I do. I feel like I'm at a restaurant today just unwrapping a nice piece of bread. This is my body. And he's saying, if you will eat of this, you will be satisfied. If you partake of this, now don't eat it. Just wait. Just wait. You will be satisfied. I don't know what you've been eating on in this season, but I can tell you any other bread that's outside of his body will leave you bitter and empty and unsatisfied at every turn. And the enemy wants you to believe that that bitter place is a healthy space. But I've come to destroy the works of the enemy. He did not come to give you depression. He did not come. He did not break his body that you might be empty and continue in your brokenness. But he said, let my brokenness bring you healing. You see, because he is the healing bread. He is the bread of life. In him we can live and breathe and have our being. We don't have to hunger and thirst after anything else. But when we allow him to sustain this empty belly, will will grumble and hunger after unnatural empty things. But he's saying, allow my spirit to come and fill that atmosphere. Especially in a season of so much want, want, want. Give me, give me, give me. He said, let me sustain you. Stand to your feet and lift up your hands. <laughs> what sign will you perform that we may believe? We can flip back and Jesus could have said, it was a sign. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. You see, when we come into the kingdom of God, we don't want salt on us. We want to grumble and complain about getting in the water and who says it right. We don't want oil slapped on us. I for sure don't want you to confine me because I know it all by myself. But Jesus is saying, I'm calling forth Mary's and Joseph's to steward the gift of God in someone else. Woo. You better hear me. 
I'm calling forth Marys and Josephs out of difficulty. You think Joseph was happy about it? You think Mary was happy? She was in the midst of planning the wedding of her dreams. But somebody just needs to say, give us this day. Our daily bread. Give me what lasts for today because I I can't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be there and it's going to take care of itself. But are you willing to be inconvenienced in a season and at the time frame of convenience? Can you truly, I know we call it forth, the earth is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. Let me explain something to you. The purpose of you will find a babe laid in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes to put a washing of a water and salt and oil and a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. It is a sign of a legitimate son or daughter. How do you know that, Pastor? Go over to Ezekiel 16, I believe it might be. Uh, hold on, let me find it for you and I'll tell you. Ezekiel 16, 4. When God was chastising Israel, in the day you were born, thy navel was not cut, neither were you washed in water, nor were you salted at all, or were you swaddled in clothes. In other words, in this verse, Israel became so wicked that they decided to be an illegitimate son to God. He called them the the, the child of the Hittites and the child of the Amorites, which basically you decided to become illegitimate of my kingdom and you decided to be a child of the devil. Because when you're loved and tender, cared for, if a baby could talk, they'd probably say, I don't like that song. I've seen them. They don't like that swaddling. Newborn babes in church, you, you, a, you a pretty new Christian. I don't want to be told what to do. And you constantly trying to get your hands out. And if we're not careful, our right hand offends us. And, but I'm telling you. <laughs> We've already said it, moving out of 2020 into 2021. I'm going to prophesy this. It will also be a season of great legitimacy of sons and daughters coming to the surface. We talked about mentorship the other night because the legitimacy of a son or a daughter is wrap me up and keep me because I know that you're protecting me. I know that only this momentary frustration is going to help me to walk in my future Woo! Mary's and Joseph's where you at stewarding Woo. see Joseph stewarded somebody else's son <laughs> and the salty Mary and Joseph said oh no this child is not illegitimate Woo. 
He is nurtured and he is cared for. And this is a symbol of love. We're going to do everything that honors God in sacrifice. We will put salt on this baby. We will oil him and we will swaddle him. We know the greater work in the end of this child. It is not just that he's just born and put in a manger. But as we lay it in the feeding trough, we know that he he will be the bread of life to a broken world he will sustain the emptiness he will carry the greatness of all kings I'm laying my sacrifice on the altar God and then a mother and a father in Hebrew custom would then lay their swaddled child down and they would say now father we pray over this child that you would honor our sacrifices and that you would honor his life with all that you have planned for him you know the plans that you have you know the purposes and I lay it down and trust that this child is in your hand I believe there's a fullness of time upon us. God is over illegitimate sons and daughters in the kingdom. Those who will kick open and run before they're able to walk. I'm telling you. Now you ain't got to know it all. But what I desire to do is connect to somebody who knows more than I do. But the enemy desires to keep you dysfunctional and disconnected and probably feeding on a wrong nutrition source so that you don't desire to come in covenant with those that you're supposed to. Now, this is going to be interesting. I thought of this last second, so forgive me. 1 Corinthians 10, 17 says this. Because there is one loaf. Say, there's one. Hmm. We who are many are one body. Say, we're one body. For we all share the one loaf. See, your piece of bread that you caught was no greater than that piece of bread. That piece of bread that you partake of is not greater than the other that decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. But we... Being of one loaf, members of many, we're many, but we are all part of that one loaf. Now come, pitch, put your piece, puzzle pieces back together. I saw pain, 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 took a bite, but that's all okay. It's all right. It's, all, it's just tiny. Put, put, let's put this one loaf, many pieces back together. And I want to show you what the kingdom of God is supposed to be. Because the anointing is borrowed. Ooh. You see, when you try to eat your own seed, you don't have anything to bring to the table. Ooh. Ooh, but you've been trusted with a seed. You've been trusted with the morsel of a whole loaf. But when I bring it together and I'm unified and I put my pieces together and I work together. Lift up your hands. 
Is everyone receiving from the word today? Did we get it? Can we open it up and let them see? Say, I am of one loaf with many pieces, but together we are one. See, one of them had a bigger piece than the other. They won't appear arguing, well, mine's bigger. They just said, let's put it together and let us create the loaf. This is a picture of what the body of Christ, the broken pieces are meant to look like in this world on earth as it is in heaven. Broken for many, not so you can just walk around and say, look at the piece of Jesus I got. Listen to the piece I got. But what happens when we come together in covenant and in unity, holding in him all things hold together? What peace are you holding today that you've refused to connect? Hands lifted in this space. Come on, say, I'm of one loaf. <laughs> Ooh. There's many of us, many pieces, but we're one. Come on, are you tired of being disjointed? Are you tired of feeding on the bread of idleness and your way instead of Yahweh? Are you tired of being empty and you're eating all of the futile garbage? Are you tired of laying and belly aching at night because you ate something you weren't supposed to eat? I'm telling you, without the bread, there is no body. Do you hear me? The enemy has tried to remove the bread, the name of Jesus, out of our lingo and out of our language. It's offensive. But without the bread, there is no body. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to take communion in just a moment. And I hear the Lord asking... Will you accept this cup? This is why the question was stated. You must examine yourself before you decide to truly take this communion because he's asking you to be his betrothed. Ooh. He's asking, will you wait? Even though you don't see it, you might not hear from me tomorrow. Will you wait on me? Will you trust that I've gone to my Father Woo. and I'm preparing it for you? Is there anyone under the sound of my voice that you would say, all right? Woo. I would say I'm, I'm struggling today. It's been, it's been difficult. It's been more than difficult. And I am carrying a piece of this body, but I am so disjointed. And I long to feel that connection again. I'm not talking about anything other than the connection of heaven. And if that's you, would you just lift up your hands? I desire to feel. Thank you. Come on, just lift him up. Come on, we're going to be honest. I know I'm carrying a piece, but I desire to feel the connection of heaven today. Come on, lift it up, lift it up, lift it up. 
Thank you all over the room. Come on, put it together, put it together, put it together. Is there anyone under the sound of my voice that you would say, I've danced around it, I followed the signs of it, I even tasted of it, but I'm empty today because I have yet to truly be transformed. I have yet to truly be born again. I would not say that I'm the salt of the earth today. I would not say that I've allowed the kingdom of heaven to swaddle me and protect me. Today I want to see the kingdom, but I know I must be born again and there's no shame in this today if that's you and you would say I desire to be born again would you just lift up your hands in this place thank you for this hand come on is there anybody else no shame in this place come on no guilt no shame is there anybody else I desire to be born again thank you father thank you father who would say I desire to be legitimate I don't want to be flaky I want to be legitimate and I understand now that being legitimate son or legitimate daughter might take some salt in some wounded places but it also is infused with the oil of heaven I know that you're only swaddling me to protect me to help me to be all that you've created me to be God and if that's you and you would say I desire to be legitimate in this season a legitimate son performing the miracles the signs and the wonders of God I desire come on lift up your hands if that's you I desire to be legitimate oh cradle me Holy Ghost swaddle me Holy Spirit teach me your paths of righteousness for your name's sake allow the salt of the kingdom to come forth heal all of my wounds allow the bomb of Gilead to come and heal me oh God release the fragrance of heaven the fragrance of heaven infuse me today come on begin to pray I desire to be legitimate I don't want the enemy tripping me up and making me believe that what I do is insignificant some of you are called to be Mary's and Joseph's and stewarding greatness for heaven and you've refused because of inconvenience I rebuke the devil I rebuke the devourer Come on, if that's you and you would say, I want to be diligent. I want to be obedient. I want to be pure. The Holy Ghost of God knew he could trust Mary and Joseph. Can he trust you today? Woo! Can he trust you today? Woo! Can he trust you? Come on, close your eyes in this place and say, Lord, can you trust me to steward greatness for your kingdom? Come on, you're not just here to fill a seat. You're not just here as as just a pass buyer and I don't really want to do anything, but you have purpose on the inside of you. You have purpose. Come on, can you steward the greatness? Lift it up if you desire to. 
come on I I want to steward the greatness I want to be trusted I want to be betrothed I want to be trusted that even when I don't know if you're looking or if you've turned your head I still want to be faithful God Holy Ghost, I thank you for this moment in time. I thank you for a realignment. If you can cautiously and carefully lay your loaf of bread here on the altar, we're going to lay it down together. We are of one loaf, many pieces, but we are of one loaf. Oh God, help this church do her part. We don't do it all. We're only a piece of the kingdom, but God, let us be found diligent. Let us be found persistent. Let us be found faithful, oh God. Don't allow our light to be put out, God. Don't allow us to be flashy at Christmas, but allow us to be diligent at Easter. Allow us to be faithful in the summertime. Allow us to be faithful when we're bare and exposed in the fall, God. Let your bride shine no matter the season. Sure, it's been difficult, Father. Death has been all around. Fear has tormented let us walk with unwavering faith, knowing that you are still God, that you are still in control. We've been really inconvenienced, Father. Whew. But I trust you have a purpose. I don't see it. Whew. But I'm walking it out anyway. Come on, just lift up your hands. I'm walking it out anyway. Come on. Our ushers are getting ready to begin to pass out communion. It's a different service, I know, but I felt so led to break this down and teach this out because God is designing you in this next season to not get entangled in the same garbage. Be focused, accept the cup, and listen to me. If you can't take the cup today, if you can't say yes today, don't do it because it's cute. Don't do it because everybody else is doing it. Because the word of God says, do not take this unworthy. Not meaning you're, oh, I'm so good, I can take communion. But your intellect is saying, I will be faithful even when it's hard. <laughs> I will preach in the face of every lie. <laughs> Woo. I will trust that you're still a healer when people are dying. Woo. Come on, begin to pass out the communion cups today. John, will you take Kelly and Mike a couple up top and Lynette? Come on, I'll be faithful. Thank you. Come on, I'll be faithful. Come on, this is what separates you from the world. Not that we don't face hardships, not that we don't have hard times, but it's that we know we have a betrothal. We know that we are committed, come hell or high water. No matter when everybody tells me he's not coming, you're wasting your time. I will not allow my garments to be stained by other people's agendas. You people of God are called to make the difference. And you might birth greatness in a cave and the only person is there to see it is you and your spouse or you and your husband and you and your friend. But here's what I'm telling you. What you birth in secret. Ooh, 
God will bring it to light. That's good and bad. What you birth in a secret place, God will bring it forth. That's the word of God. What you pray and speak in a secret place will be shouted from the rooftops. A baby born. And here's what I'm telling you. You ain't got to send out a birth announcement. You ain't got to go announce your anointing. Because he'll send angels on your behalf to go to the shepherds who are just busy doing their job and shepherding their flock. You see, you're looking for position. Trust that the angel's talking to the shepherd. While we're over here busy stewarding the sheep, he's like, hey, you got to come see a thing. Come on, let me show you something. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. You see, what heaven's not knowing and telling yet, but I know, this is the Savior of all mankind. You see that crack of brokenness? That's to heal that. See, sometimes it takes a baby to heal the child wounds. He was broken and wounded and beaten and ripped to shreds. Put your whip away. You don't have to beat yourself any longer. Go ahead, touch it. See him. Look at him. As we take the communion before you leave today, I just want you, as we're going to take communion, I want you to come pass by this. Look at the brokenness here, the scars, if you will. And think about that diagnosis. That deceptive lie, that harsh argument and word that was spoken that you weren't sure you could get over. And allow the perspective of heaven to settle in your vision. To be reminded, this is one loaf. Many members. With one body and one purpose. As he sat with his disciples, he said... And he had already told them this wasn't a new message to them. He had already told them, if you will eat of my flesh, isn't it interesting? We spend the majority of our time telling you not to feast on flesh, but this is the one flesh that you can devour and eat upon. It will never make you sick. It'll never harm you. It actually gives you life. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. 
And the church has been walking around like zombies with no life because we've been feasting on every other thing. We've been feasting on our friend's flesh. We've been, I mean, taking in the, the bread of idleness. We've gotten lazy in this season and comfortable on our sofas and in our beds. But, but as the Proverbs 31 woman, listen, she did not take in the bread of idleness. And I know we've got men in here, but as the bride of Christ, I I just want you to say I will not allow the bread of idleness to take a presidency anymore as I take this bread I thank you father that it will swell within me and there will be no more room for any other thing there'll be no more room for any other flesh when I partake of this body Woo. when I eat of this bread I will not hunger or desire another thing. He said, this is my body, which was broken for you. And I want you to understand is that brokenness is for your healing. It's for your sustainment. See, bread tides you over. It's filling. It sustains you. Some of you just need to be sustained in an hour that feels so rocky and unstable. Can we hold up the bread together? He blessed it. He held it up to heaven. And he blessed it. And I want you to ask the Lord, you know what you need out of this body. You know what you need today. I don't know all the answers, but one thing I do know is that in him, all things are possible. And in him are all the answers. So just lift it up and ask the Lord to bless this as you take it inwardly. You're claiming the life of the resurrected Savior who was born and laid in a manger. Ooh, that became a sign to some shepherds wrapped in swaddling clothes, but later would be ripped to shreds so that you could be healed today. If you need healing, come on, just lift it up and say, Lord, bless this bread. I receive your healing. I receive your peace. I receive the legitimacy of your son or of your daughter today, God. Ooh. And I accept your body. I accept your flesh. So, Lord, drive mine out. Ooh, drive my flesh out. Ooh, by taking this today, I am saying my flesh is subject to your spirit, God. Can we take this bread together? told the story the other night at the our connect group leadership meeting of how I went to get the antibody test out of the capillaries of my finger and that test came back negative as if I had never had COVID and I thought it strange because I'd been in the face of it I'd been all around it 
But they said a deeper test may show the depth of it if they draw more blood. And I'm, I, I, something hit me. It's like often we want to just get a little bit of blood and we want it to have all the answers that we want it to have. And you're comfortable in shallow Christianity. And I just want a little bit of blood over here. And the rest of it's just kind of gory, Jesus. I don't, I don't want to just be all the way covered in it because I'm not sure I, I can be good on this side. But if you'll just cover this bad stuff, I'll try over here. You hear me? But the in-depth test, and they had to—they took like you know four to five, six vials of blood, and it was like the Lord said, uh, "The depths of me show mysteries. The depths in me reveals healing. The depths in me shows that you're already an overcomer." Do you hear me? You see, you don't know it in the shallow spaces. You don't know it. You don't know it over here. You want to believe it, but you can't believe it. It's too shallow. And you just want to tiptoe in it. But he's saying, if you will get to the depths of my blood, I'll show you mysteries. I'll show you things that you could not even think, ask, or imagine. John 16, 33 says that, be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Whether COVID has hit you or whether it hasn't, you need to say, I need your blood anyway, Jesus. Because my blood never saved nobody. I know we donate blood and we th and they make us feel good because they say it saves lives and it might momentarily, but what are you doing eternally? Because my blood won't do nothing for you, but his blood does everything. It does everything. My blood might keep your heart pumping for a momentary thing, but his blood will put you in the river of his movement. And it will sustain you for everlasting life. Hold it up and say, Jesus, I want the depths of your blood. I want to lead people to you. Thank you for life today. Somebody just needs to thank God for life. Because if you've got a good deep breath on the inside of you, you do got blood. Uh, whether mine's A positive, praise God. If you ever need it, you know where to find me. Don't come hunt me down and take it for yourself. I'll help you all I can. But at the end of the day, I pray to give you something of eternal worth and eternal value. That the blood of Jesus will keep you from everlasting to everlasting the depths of who he is come on thank him for life today come on you got blood pumping come on the grave can't praise him today some of you need to praise him for somebody that's going on somebody that we've lost this year somebody needs to thank God for the life that they live that led you to the blood of Jesus Shh. come on say I accept the blood today you know what you're saying? I'll wait on you, Jesus. Ooh. Do you accept this cup, my beloved? <laughs> Can you trust that I'm still faithful to you even when you don't see me? Even when you don't hear me? Can you still go with what you know that I've told you? I'll be back. I will fulfill every promise I've told you I will. Don't allow the enemy to tell you otherwise. And so by saying yes to this cup today, you're saying yes to his covenants, to his kingdom, to his sacrifices.
Yes to his body. Yes to being a member of his loaf. Yes to bringing life and speaking life in the midst of death. In the midst of a turbulent season. I don't have anything to give you except Jesus. I I wish there were words of encouragement I could give you. But Jesus is everything. Come on, yes. Yes, yes. So by taking this cup today. You say yes to the DNA of heaven. (laughs) Inconvenience me like a Mary and a Joseph. Inconvenience me, Father, even when I don't like the birth plan. Even when I thought it was going to be pretty and tied in bows and painted and I was going to have this big fancy crib. But God, you said a manger that's hewn out of a rock in a stable with stinky animals. Welcome to ministry, people of God. It's the truth. Yes. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, as these people here today take this cup, God, Lord, we celebrate a baby born placed in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes as a sign of the legitimacy of the Son of God. And now we know that the earth is groaning for the revealing of your sons on earth that's already established in heaven. So we say yes to you in the legitimacy of the word. Yes. We don't want to be imposters or fake any longer. We don't want to be pretenders. We want to be truth filled, Holy Ghost filled, loving, filled people of God. Unified. Many members, but of one body and one loaf. So we say yes to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we take the cup? As the worship team begins to sing, I want you to just file through here. If you've got a social distance, do it. But I just want you to just kind of look at this as you pass by and think about the broken spaces that your life has been healed and filled by. As you pass by, come on, thank him for a feeding trough that has sustained you all the days of your life. Come on, we'll go this way and circle around the church. Begin to lead them. Uh, as, As you come by, just go ahead and give a wave off to the Lord that your brokenness was mended that started in a in a manger scene at a feeding trough you should have been dead but that baby came to give you life you should have been empty but he said I want to feed you today I want to fill you I don't want you to be empty without cracks I brought a baby in a feeding trough for you to eat for you to take life Come on, come on, come on. Just give him a wave offering today. Just give him a wave offering today. Thank you for healing all the broken places. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We hope you enjoyed this word. If you would like to hear more messages like this one, please take a second and click the subscribe button. And for more information on our ministry, please visit us at rhctn.com.